guys! Welcome back to the Chatterseed Podcast. This is a podcast with me, Ryan, and my dad. Hi. And today's movie was Bicycle Thieves. And dad's going to give you some background. <laughs> this is a 1948 film directed by uh, Vittorio De Sica. I, I don't know if I pronounced that right, De Sica. Um, but it was a neo-realist film, which... Neorealism in Italy was a uh, period of, or a style of filmmaking that was common after World War II that involved shooting on sets uh, or location, not on sound stages or studio sets, but on, you know, out in the world locations, usually with actors who were not experienced professionals um, about working class stories and uh, commonly featured a child as one of their principal actors. And this had all of those uh, elements. The three main actors, the lead Antonio uh, Ricci and his wife Maria Ricci and their son Bruno were all played by uh, actors who had no professional film experience. And uh, this was definitely a working class story. Um, there's been a lot of that. It sort of reminds me of, you know, Battleship Potemkin was a working class story. The uh, Soldiers, what is the Ballad of the Soldier was a working class story. The 400 Blows, a lot of what we've been looking at uh, have been sort of working class stories. So was um, Elamor Brujo, right? And as was Babette's Feast. Like this is all a lot of sort of working class uh, stories. Black and White from 1948. Uh, it received an Academy Award for, and Golden Globe uh, for Best Foreign Language Film in 1950. It was also nominated for Best Screenplay at the Academy Awards. Um, and it was uh, listed by a bunch of uh, different best film lists as either the greatest film or one of the greatest films of all time. This has been a very influential film. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of like context for <laughs> critical reception and uh, sort of the time. This was right after World War II, right? Mussolini, the dictator in uh, Italy, had been executed and the war was over. Uh, and there was a lot of poverty, uh, like in a lot of places in Europe right after World War II, uh, really tough times. And this sort of spoke to that. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, basically, the story is, so it's after the war, like Dad said, and so I guess there's obviously very limited jobs, and so it opens with the lead, Antonio, I believe, getting a job and he has to have a bicycle for this job but he sold his bicycle to afford food for his family and so he went home and told his wife he got a job but he needed a bicycle so his wife sold their bed sheets so that he could buy his bicycle back from the pawn shop and he got the bicycle and he went to his first day of work and at his first day of work his bike got stolen and so the story is about him and his son Bruno looking around the city most of the movie is just on one day, a Sunday, him looking for the bike everywhere, and 
he finally sees the guy or the kid who stole it, but nothing happens because everyone says that the kid is innocent and that he would never do something like that. And so then he's so desperate to have a bike to keep his job to provide for his family that he tries to steal one and he gets caught. But the guy, the owner of the bike whom he stole from had sympathy because he saw that he had a kid and saw that he was just trying to get by and gave him sympathy and didn't report him to the police. And that's kind of how the movie ends is they, Antonio and Bruno walk home with no bike. Yeah. This was not, I think, so we have discovered, I think, that the films that you like most are, are not like, these. Not these. Yeah. They're sort of like teenage romance, like a battle uh, or a uh, ballad Ballad of, a of a Soldier. That was the only good one. And Babette's Feast had a little bit of that element, too. No. That, no. <laughs> that, no. That was just creepy. That was just creepy, guys. Well, the first yes. one wasn't, like the soldier. Okay, but the first one was stupid. Yeah. The soldier freaking left. But this is not about that movie, so... No. <laughs> but this is not what you would normally seek out, right? You, yes. You like the sort of teen romances, and this mm-hmm. is not a teen romance at all. Cheesy, predictable stuff. <laughs> this is just boring. This is, like, sort of sad, and it doesn't have a happy Hollywood ending at the end of this movie. You have the father sort of feeling like a failure, uh, like he has just failed his son in front of his son and let him down. And that, that's sort of how it ends. They haven't found his bicycle. Or gotten so, a new one. Or gotten it. So it still looks like he's going to lose his job. And to add insult to injury, he has embarrassed himself in front of his son. Yep. It's so. kind of sad, because, like, his son is, like, like one of my brothers' age, and he's already, like, working, and that just kind of shows. He's not in school, he works, just like his dad, and that just kind of shows, like, how, like, devastating the war was, like, the effects of it on lives and communities and stuff. Yeah, like, at the very beginning, there's this big crowd of guys, everybody wants a job, and... Antonio's a lucky one because he gets a job. They have a job for him. All that requires him to have a bicycle. And then he's got a problem. Everybody else is like, I got a bike. I'll take the job. And he's like, no, no, no. I'll find a bike, right? Because jobs are so scarce. And there are just so many interesting components to this movie, things I could relate with. Like, just as as a father, the idea of feeling pressure to provide for your family. Um, And he has this baby at home they have a new baby he's got Bruno his wife is working too um, I think or he had a job that he found for her right when he said that he got his job I can't oh no he was just um, making a joke because he needed his hat fixed that's right so she doesn't have a job so it's, it's his wife and his kids all depending on him to find work for them and well, work is Bruno really has scarce. A little job. That's right. Bruno works at the gas at the station. The gas station. But it, he's feeling stressed about this and then he had pawned his bike and so he had to borrow they had to make, pawn their bed sheets just so he could get the bike back. And now he was going to use the money from his job to get the bed sheets back, right? Mm-hmm. But now he's lost the bike and the bed sheets. Mm-hmm. Right? And he has no job. 
So he's just feeling super stressed. And it's interesting the great lengths to which he went to try and get this bike back. Like he was trying all the things he could think of honestly to get his bike back. He tried to be, he was avoiding returning to crime, right? He went to the police, he did his own search, um, and he was desperate like to, to find this bike. He talked to the, and some of the things that he did, like he barged into a church service oh and basically goodness, interrupted the whole church service and to badger this guy whom he'd seen talking to the thief to find out where the thief lived. And it was a dead end because the old man got away. Yeah. So he didn't even get what he wanted and needed out of him. Well, and that led to something. Because he was so frustrated about that, his son, while he's sort of, you can see the gears turning, the dad's thinking about, what can I do next? And the son asked that, he's like, why did you let that guy uh, out of your sight, basically? And so the father, in frustration, slaps the son. The son has been helping him all day look for this bike. He's been nothing but helpful. And suddenly, in this moment of frustration, his dad slaps him. And then the kid, after that, like doesn't want to be near his dad. Like, he doesn't trust him. I wonder him. why. Yeah, right? So, the dad then feels totally bad about this. And then, he and his son have split a little bit because he's still looking for this guy that's going to lead him to the thief. And his son stays behind by the bridge. And then he hears a bunch of hollering people saying, there's a boy drowning in the river. And so then his heart, like... Because of the guilt for right. being a not very good dad at that moment. Yeah, he feels guilty. And so he rushes to the water because he's afraid that his son is drowning. And what if his last moment with his son was like... Slapping him. Slapping him, right? And so he just feels so awful. Unfortunately, it's not his son. So then he tries to make it up to his son by taking him out for lunch. But then after that, they go out and he's humiliated in front of his son again because they actually find the bicycle thief, but they can't do anything about it because they can't prove that he's the thief. Yep. He's just, it's just so futile. He just feels completely impotent. He has no power to to do this thing that they need to do for him to save his family, basically. And then he's so desperate that he does the one thing he's been trying to avoid and turns to crime, tries to steal a bike, and he can't even do that successfully. And he thinks his son is gone because he told his son to get on the streetcar, so he won't see him stealing this. But his son misses the streetcar, so he sees Which the whole thing. Which is actually good because it made it so that he didn't get arrested. But still, the son was really sad. He was upset. But I don't think he was, like, mad at his dad. I think he was just, like, upset with his dad, like, emphasizing or whatever the word is. And he looked really confused. Yeah. By the way, these actors are fantastic. They do a great job. And none of them have experience. It's it's it was that. Well, that it's probably because really it was very relatable because it's actually what they were going through a little bit. Yeah, that was a really tough time in Italy, and in Europe, uh, everywhere. After the war was uh, was a really hard time for people. So, it wasn't a teen romance. It was more of sort of a drama from the father's perspective, from the kids' perspective. What do you think that story was like for 
for him because you know I you get the sense this kid looks up to his father as if like he's a superhero right kids sometimes think of their kids as being invincible and then he has this moment where he sees this day where he sees his father's fallibility what do you think that does for the kid and I think you're right at the end he still loves his dad he holds his hand his dad at the very end of the movie is crying because he's so ashamed and yet his son still loves him he's still there holding his hand I think well I think for this kid it was kind of different because clearly because of the situation he kind of had to grow up a little quick quicker than most kids you know having a job and all that so I think that Although, like, he's really young and maybe doesn't understand completely, I think he kind of, in his own little way, like, understands, like, how his dad is feeling or, like, what's happening. And so he's able to, like, just kind of be there with his dad, even though he's kind of sad still. I don't know. I don't understand the point of the movie. Yeah, it's not... um... It's not, you know, a, a story where there's this arc of a mission you have to accomplish and then you accomplish it at the end of the story and it's, um, it's just a, it's a sad, well that's, and that's what it was. It was trying to give you a slice of real life and help people appreciate this is hard. So it's different than last, last week, right? When we looked at Battleship Potemkin, that was an interesting uh, slice of propaganda. And this is sort of like the opposite of that. Like, the state did not want them making these movies. The Italian government was critical of what the filmmakers were doing with their neorealistic films because it felt like it was like painting a bad picture or a bleak picture of life in the country. So it was sort of like... Which was realistic. They didn't like the realistic part of it. They want everything to seem like a fairy tale. Right. So it was, compared to last week, it's sort of like the exact opposite of state propaganda. This is like artists saying, no, this is like how real life is. It's tough. Yeah. I don't know what I'd give this one. It was kind of boring, but it was good. I don't know, like a six out of ten. Yeah. I loved this movie. For me, it was a 9 or a 10, but that's because, you know... It was relatable to you in a personal way. Yeah, definitely I relate as a father to his uh, feeling of uh, stress, of... Helplessness. Yeah, well, he needs, I mean, all the emotions, from feeling the urgency of needing to find a way to care for his family to his disappointment in himself when he lets his son down. Like, on multiple occasions, when he slaps the son, when the son sees him stealing. Like, and he's, and, and it's, it's a, it's like a roller coaster, right? There's these highs, there's, you find uh, a lead, right? Like, you see the thief, you're going to catch him, but then he escapes. You have this good meal, but then it's followed by this slapping and drowning. And then you have found the, the thief and got the police there, but you can't arrest him. Right, and then you, so it's it's this sort of like roller coaster, and I really, uh, I it just it just it did seem so real. Uh, yeah, that part it did seem real. And just the the way the guy is embarrassed, like he doesn't want to tell his wife when the bicycle's stolen, 
because he knows how important it is and how much she sacrificed giving up their bed sheets so that they could get it. So it was really, uh, it was really tough. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't into this one. <laughs> I think that's all we have for y'all today. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.